What is it like growing up as a Hindu in India? What are your beliefs and practices? And what is it like to be told that you can worship 333 million gods? Get ready for a powerful episode as Pastor M from India shares with us his experience growing up in Hinduism and the impact that it has on your life, marriage, family, society, and so much more. Welcome to the 360 Serve podcast. I'm Mark Tyler, president of 360 Serve. If you're new with us, well, welcome. 360 Serve is about a new way to do missions where we help you support indigenous church planning pastors at $50 per month, sending them into full-time gospel ministry so they can reach their own country for Christ. We do these episodes to share with you the amazing stories of what our awesome God is doing as a result of hundreds of you who are supporting hundreds of indigenous church planting pastors, sending them into full-time gospel ministry in many of the least reached areas of the world. I trust it's been a blessing for you to get to know Pastor M, our movement leader from India. So let's enter in to our conversation with Pastor M on the topic of Hinduism. Well, it's a joy to be together again with Pastor M, our movement leader from India. Pastor M, how are you doing today? Well, Pastor Mark, I am doing great. I just wanted to thank God for this wonderful opportunity. I want to thank 360 Serve family for your prayer and for your great love. Yes. Amen. Well, it has been a blessing <laughs> getting to know you, Pastor M, and for our listeners to get to know you. I mean, many of them support what God's doing in India. And you know, in our last episode, we really heard the story of your salvation, an amazing story. And uh, before we hear really the story of your call into ministry, I really feel uh, like we need to understand some very important, like, spiritual, cultural realities about India. And we're going to take some uh, time to do this. Actually, the next three episodes, we're going to cover like these three realities. And then we're going to come back and pick the story up about your call into ministry and what's happened, you know, since. But in this episode, uh, we're going to talk about Hinduism. Hinduism is the dominant religion in India it's the third largest religion in the world, like around 1 billion people or maybe even a little bit more than that uh, are Hindus. And of course, Christianity is the largest spiritual movement on the planet, then Islam, and then Hinduism. But uh, just just a, a basic question to begin with, in just your own experience, in your own words, how would you describe Hinduism You know, to our listeners? Well... Uh... I just uh, wanted to let you all know that uh, uh, Hinduism, uh, to me, to my family, to my people, uh, you know, uh, it's it's a, it's a religion of chaos and confusion. Uh, mm. For for example, like forty seven percent Dalits, they don't consider themselves the Hinduism. Uh, one of the things the the India name also is 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 known as a Hindustan. So if some people they they birth here in India, Hindustan, which means they are Hindus, and uh, this is how I think that uh, you know uh, 
you know, most of the people think that I am Indian, I'm like Hindustani, so I am Hindus. Uh, uh, but this is the religion that have not clear concept of what is the Hinduism, mm. you know, how we can, you know, just believe or what are the things we have to do. So it's very mm. confusion. Yeah. Wow, what a description. You know, can you imagine describing your religion as chaos and confusion? That's that's pretty profound to just hear that as we begin. You know, uh, let's talk about just kind of Hinduism in its origination, in its beginnings. Can you tell us a little bit, just again, about what you know historically about how Hinduism came to India? So... Indian history talks about 1500 BC, the Aryan, you know, they came from Middle East and they are the one that bring the Hinduism. Before that, you know, India was not known as a Hinduism country. Uh, hmm. Even we do not have any idea because, you know, in India, the, the Mool Nivasi was Dravir and Sudra, means the poor and the the middle class, but these Aryan were very smart. So they are the one that bring the Hinduism. Uh, they start the new religion here. Wow. And, you know, we're going to get into the caste system because they brought the caste system to India. We're going to do a whole segment on, on that later. But but thank you for, for that, uh, Pastor M. That's so helpful just to kind of have a sense of historically how this all began. You know, what about, you know, does Hinduism have a founder, you know, like Christianity, Jesus Christ, but what about Hinduism? No, no. Uh, Hinduism have no founder. Means, uh, you know, there is not even uh, anywhere we can found that this guy or that person or, you know, it is based on him or he is the founder of Hinduism. So it is It is not clear. Mm, okay, that makes sense. I mean, I get that. Um, what about just, you know, we have the Bible, the Word of God that, that leads us, that's the foundation of truth for, you know, um, Christianity. What about Hinduism? Uh, are there books? Is there something like a Bible? Well, there are many, many uh, books in Hindu religion. You know, it's called Vedas, it's called Gita, it's called, you know, Ramayana. A uh, lot of uh, Hindu religious books and, uh, and uh, talks about Hinduism, talks about Hindu beliefs. Uh, but uh, it's, it's not pretty much clear in those. They have been sharing the stories or talking those kinds of thing, you know, uh, for example, like how that one person can write uh, a holy book. So, so these kinds of confusions are there. That's why I uh, consider myself that there is no uh, single books uh, talks about the, the, the rights of the Hinduism. Okay. Uh, had you ever tried to read some of those those books? Well, yeah, yeah. Before uh, becoming the follower of Christ, uh, you know, whatever the books we were getting from uh, all these Hindu priests, we were reading, and we think that this is right. That's why all our 
you know, ancestors, you know, our family, you know, all Indians believe. So we have to believe. Uh, even there was no truth on those kinds of things. Mm. Uh, so traditionally, we were just like, you know, believing, reading, studying. Uh, yeah, yeah. But it just kind of added to the chaos and confusion is kind of what you're saying, I, I'm assuming, you know. Um, what about just, you know, our concept of God, monotheistic, we believe in one God, uh, of course, a trinity, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but what about in Hinduism? Um, what is the concept of God in Hinduism? Uh, how would you describe that? Well, uh, according to the Hindu religious books, uh, not one book, it's many books, talks about that 333 million of goddesses. So, mm. so for example, like if I am worshiping one God, and if that God is giving me prosperity, giving me peace, that means that is my main God. This is how Indian think. So every house have some kind of God, even though uh, even the trees, even the animals, you know, are God for some people. Yeah. So there is no one God in Hinduism. Yeah. Wow. So Brahman, you know, I've heard is like the creator God, so to speak. But then you've got 333 million gods in total, like you're saying. Uh, and every God has a different like purpose or how does how does a family like adopt one of these gods or like worship that God? Do they just choose it? How does that work? How did that work in your own family, Pastor M, when you weren't Christian? Yeah, you know, when we were not followers of Christ, uh, you know, in, in my generation, in my family, uh, we were worshiping uh, 120 goddesses, uh, according to the, wow. the seasons. Uh, so like this month, we were worshiping that God, you know, next month, we were worshiping this God. This festival, we will be worshiping this God. So this is how we were just doing that. So exactly, there is no one God. Even most of the Hindu, they consider Jesus as their God also. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Jesus, you know, I know this is considered a guru or, you know, in Hinduism or an avatar, an incarnation. You know, um, it's pretty strange, you know, in that sense, just one of many. Wow. Um, what about just, you know, the practices of Hinduism? Are, you know, how, getting into some of just the basic practices, what are they? Uh, you know, what does a good Hindu look like, so to speak? Well, uh, you know, the Hinduism uh, uh, is, is the religion of fear. means this is what I understand. Uh, for mm. example, like, uh, you know, my family, uh, even myself, before accepting Christ, uh, means what our grandparents were doing, our father has to do, our, whatever the fathers were doing, we have to do. It's like the same thing, what they were practicing, we have to practice. So it's like a mm. traditional things uh, uh, were just uh, going on, uh, you know, all over, in all over India, in, in many, many family. Uh, mm. So 
So people worship goddesses because they want to make their goddesses happy so they can be blessed. This is this is how mm. they are always a spiritual. They look spiritual. Yeah. Wow, that's incredible. Uh, what about just this whole concept of reincarnation? What is this something that was, you know, something you experienced and were taught and understood as you're growing up? I know it's central to Hinduism, uh, but but was this something that that you experienced, uh, Pastor M? And just uh, talk about that a little bit. Well, what I understand personally, you know, what we were learning. Uh, they were teaching all those Hindu priests, they were teaching, even they were saying that there is life after death. Uh, so, so they were saying that uh, if you do good thing, then you will, uh, you know, just reborn like that. You will come again uh, in this planet. Uh, if you do not do good thing, you will maybe birth as animal, birth as a this, that, you know, this is how uh, how I understand. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah. Yeah. Just you're caught in this, you know, endless cycle of rebirth over and over again. Yeah. Seeking to, to purge yourself, you know, of karma and this whole, you know, idea here. And uh, it's, you know, and what is karma, you know, uh, in from your standpoint, you know, just as an Indian, how does that relate to everything? Well, the, most of the Hindus, they believe, uh, do good. Uh, means mm -hmm. if they will do good, they will be blessed. If they will do good, they will go to heaven. This is what they believe. Uh, karma is like do good. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, so, so it, is, uh, it is all about doing good expecting good things will happen to me after death. Wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, it's this yeah, universal law of cause and effect and uh doing good in the hope that you will be reincarnated into something better yeah. in the next life, so to speak. You know, and and so that kind of the the cow is considered for example, so holy and revered uh, in Hinduism. Why, why is that, Pastor M? So there are a lot of stories behind this thing. But uh, according to my personal experience, uh, while we were just growing up, our parents were teaching that, you know, uh, mother is the one who feed her child. Hmm. So most of the Hindus, they drink the, the cow milk so they consider cow is like a mother and they consider mm. cow is like a holy mother. Uh, mm. That's, uh, this is one belief and most of the Hindus, they believe. Another thing that when you die, uh, you know, you have to, like there is a, there is a something, it's called a uh, big river. So when you cross that river, you will go to heaven. So that river, only the cow can help. Cow can, you know, take you to, uh, means 
help you to cross that river so that you can uh, just, you know, you know, reborn again. And that's mm. why the, the cow is considered holy. Cow is considered holy mother. Uh, mm. And uh, most of the Hindus, uh, they have a big respect uh, for cow. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's fascinating. I've also read, uh, you know, just that cows, you don't kill a cow. I mean, because you worship them, because like you're saying, everything is a goddess or a god in India. But also that cow could be your reincarnated, you know, aunt or uncle, right? That's and, right. And uh, so there's even a problem with, uh, you know, that's why you don't kill rats, as from what I've heard as well. And I think that, you know, at last time I, I read is that there are three times more rats in India than the human population. And they, you know, these rats eat nearly one fourth of all the total grain crops. And again, it comes back to this worship of potentially even rats being potentially a, a relative reincarnated, which, wow, is that, is there truth to that, Pastor M, you know, from the standpoint of how those in Hinduism view, you know, reality and life and around them? That's right. You know, the two uh, things I can share on this thing, because, you know, uh, uh, there is a, uh, there is a big God in Hinduism called Ganesha. So, uh, you know, people were just always worshiping him, putting, you know, the milk, you know, uh, over mm. there. So these rats are there all the time to drink the milk. Um, mm. And uh, they are known as a, as a, as army of that God. <laughs> so most of the Hindus, wow. they don't eat them, but there are a couple of groups in Dalit caste, you know, uh, they eat, uh, you know, those rats, uh, because that's their main food. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So, wow. Yeah. Even as you're saying that, you know, pictures come to my mind, we've traveled you and I throughout, you know, North India, and I, I'm picturing all these shrines, these gods and goddesses and rats climbing all over these altars. Even as you're sharing that, it just, kind of uh, bringing to my mind these images that I have. And Pastor M, just, uh, there are so many, one of the things that blows me away when I travel with you is just thousands of shrines and altars and and even blood sacrifices that take place on these altars. And it's just infused. It's everywhere. Like you're saying, this Hinduism is a religion of fear and, you know, terror and trying to please these gods so you won't be cursed and all this. Can you can you talk a little bit more about that? I know even in your own family, you, you grew up with this type of experience. Was that correct? Yes, yes. You know, uh, when I was part of, uh, like, Hindu worshipping stuff, even in my family, like, we were killing every year uh, six kinds of animals. And my mm. big uncle, who was older than my father, he was uh, a witch doctor, uh, you know, 
and he has a responsibility for our family our generation that he will every year sacrifice all these animals to all those goddesses different different goddesses and there is season there is time in a year uh, there is a week so whenever my big uncle come to my house my father will go to buy goat chickens pig you know lamb and you know we will kill so what he will do he will just take the blood in his hand and he will just throw all you know all on all all the idols of the satans and uh, my big uncle was like drinking those bloods like you know wow it was so terrible even to see and it was so hard uh, you know but i have seen through my eyes uh so this was happening in my family but most of the the hindu dalit families are having this kinds of sacrifices every year uh, there are wow. many gods are known for sacrifice means they need the annual sacrifice yeah wow well this is so helpful because our listeners support the church planners who enter in and are doing ministry in these unreached areas where this is the practice, this is what's going on. So this picture is so helpful for us to get. Pastor M, as, as you travel around your experience in over all these years, what are the primary effects of Hinduism on people who are worshiping like this? You know, when you're caught up in these shrines and altars and uh, trying to appease these thousands and even millions of gods— what is the impact on your life personally? What do you have you seen in the lives of people? Is there someone you can give it as an example? For example, like uh, you know, personally for me, I was worshiping all those Hindu goddesses uh, mm. because I had fear in my heart. I was thinking that if I will not worship that, they will kill me. So, mm. uh, so most of the Hindus. Uh, they are just worshipping or they are just following all those traditions because of the fear. Uh, they, they are thinking if we will not do, then our God will be angry and, and, and will kill us. Uh, so, so there is a huge effect uh, of Hinduism, uh, you know, uh, on the people life. Uh, uh, this fear is the big thing. Uh, that's why most of the people uh, they're considered as a, as a spiritual. Like uh, means even they don't know, but they just bow down before many many goddesses. Yeah. Wow. You know, when you think about their inner life, what's happening on the inside in families and relationships. Um, is what is that like? I mean, even in your experiencing, Pastor M, how many, you know, Hindus, the delete that, you know, you're ministering among that are doing these kind of practices deal with demonic oppression and possession? I can say that most of the people, they become the follower of Christ because they were demonized. They were under the power of, uh, you know, under the power of darkness, 
they were just living their life in fear of all those God disses. Wow. And 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 Jesus released them from from those kinds of you know just fear. And uh, wow. so most of the Hindus that deal uh, you know with with you know most of the Hindus like they are demonized oppressions mm-hmm. you know uh, oppressed. Uh, means uh, living with fear in in a uh, lot of trauma means uh, yeah 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 when i've traveled with you i i've interviewed just dozens if not hundreds of brothers sisters pastors and i've asked them about their previous life and yeah as they were possessed oppressed and like you're saying yeah the fear the terror but then the headaches, the physical effects of absolutely being sick, laid out in bed, unable to walk, paralyzed, um, the the anger, the fighting, the the physical abuse, the sexual abuse within families, all of these things, you know, manifesting themselves, like you're saying, in chaos and confusion. And you know, I think about even what Jesus, you know, he he said in in John chapter ten. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I mean, what a contrast, Jesus giving us life. And we see that in the ministry that we share together. But then the thief, he comes to steal and kill and destroy. And uh, I know you've seen that, Pastor M. Even uh, a gentleman named Suresh, I think, was he a, a now a, one of the church planners that we support? What is his story? Well, um, Suresh was a witch doctor, uh, hmm. and uh, so whenever uh, these Hindu Dalits were coming, those who were like demonized, those who were having satanic power, evil spirit, so this guy was known as a, a witch doctor, and uh, and uh, he was just doing worship for all those people uh, to just help them so that they can be released from those, you know, Satan's powers or evil spirit. But in his family, there was, you know, his brother, wife was demonized and he could not do anything. And she was continue, you know, like demonized, always fighting all the time. Uh, falling down, losing conscious, uh, the Satan were speaking through her mouth and he was not able to do anything. So two pastors mm. went and they prayed for her and she was totally released and this guy was seeing and uh, that day he gave his life to Christ and mm. he said that Jesus is more powerful. He's the one that he got victory over the Satan. So I will worship Jesus now. And uh, so he he quit his job, what he was doing as a as a profession, as a witch doctor. And now he's become powerful church planter over 300 church plant. You know, he has planted churches in that uh, jungle areas. Yeah. Wow. That's the life that Jesus brings. Amen. <laughs> that's, Amen. That's just so. That's what we're all about. But you know, this is a segment we're given the backdrop to what the context of ministry is uh, 
where we're supporting these church planners, man. Well, you know, I mean, salvation by grace is only Christianity. Every other religion, so to speak, there's only one true religion that's Christianity. We believe everything else is not the truth. And it's works. It's ultimately a works-based way to somehow appease God and somehow you hope be accepted by him and make it, you know, to heaven, whatever that concept is by those, you know, that are holding it um, in a different, you know, uh, spiritual orientation. But, you know, Pastor M, we've traveled many times to the uh, Ganges River, and right now I'm just thinking about just what I've seen there, and I want you to describe this, why the Ganges is so important to Hindus, and what they do on this river to somehow achieve salvation. And this is a mind-blowing experience. Uh, Whenever I take people to India, I bring them here to see this, because this is just the most raw, heartbreaking sight imaginable. But paint for us this picture of what happens on the Ganges day after day after day, and why the Ganges is so important. Well, uh, uh, there is a story behind this. Uh, you know, in Hinduism, many, many goddesses are there, but there is one uh, big god they consider. It's called Kailasa. So this Ganges River is starting from that, like that river is coming, looks like from that temple, small temple. Uh, it's like that river is, is starting from the feet of that god, uh, and it's so much narrow. And when that river is, is like becoming wide and wide, and become like the Ganges River from, you know, Haridwar. Mm. And uh, most of the Hindu, they believe that this Ganges is coming from heaven because that God, Mm. you know. And uh, so they think that if we will drink the water from the Ganges River, they will be sickness free. They believe if they will take the bath, their sins will be will be forgiven. They believe if they will like die and burnt, and if their ashes thrown into the river, they will go to heaven because they think that there is a direct relationship because this river is coming from so high label from that God, and they think that Ganges is the only way to go to heaven. So that's why yeah. the the Ganges River is so important to Hindus, uh, but we know what is the truth. Who is the creator? Yes. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm thinking right now, just Pastor M, the many times we've gotten on a boat and we, you know, will 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 sail, will will be on this boat and we will go, you know, to Ver- Varanasi, the most holy place on the Ganges in Hinduism, and we will just see dozens and dozens of bodies being burned on these funeral pyres with families coming around and ashes, you know, just everywhere. And 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 then ultimately those ashes that are poured into the Ganges River by the thousands and tens of thousands bodies that are just, this is their experience. Uh, this is the ultimate goal to uh, experience this as 
a Hindu person. Uh, and that's that's correct, right? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Wow. Well, it's heartbreaking to see this and to see that that's where the belief is. And we know only in Jesus Christ is there forgiveness of sins. And, you know, wow, when you see that, Pastor M, what does that do to you <laughs> in your own heart? To me, means these all things are fake, uh, straightforward, because it is all confusion, chaos. It's always creating doubts. Uh, I always think about Jesus, and I could not find any error in his life. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just saw Jesus as the best model. If you want to consider him, you can consider him as a friend, you can consider him as a father, God, anything. And he is the best fit. But mm. he is the man creator. So, so we can't find any error. And uh, that's why, uh, you know, how can be 333 millions of God? You know, how they can be considered as God if they do have error? And in Hindus' gods, if you read their stories, there are thousands of error in their lives, in their mm-hmm. story. That's why I yeah. don't consider them as my god. Yeah. Well, this is uh, this has been fascinating. I'm sure our listeners are just taking all of this in. You know, uh, the other side to all this, out of this context of what you painted for us today, Pastor Rem of this Hindu religion that just dominates India, there are so many that are turning to Jesus. And that's the beauty of the episodes that are coming in the future. But why is this? Why is this now happening in North India? So many turning to Jesus. Why do you think this is the case now? Well, uh, I I just share with, means I share already that Hinduism to me, is, is chaos and confusion, mm. is, is creating a lot of doubts. So these days, people are just, you know, educating themselves. There's the YouTube, these all things are helping. And it, they are just writing, you know, who is the real God? And uh, if they wanted to find, you know, who is the God? Uh, what is the, the God characters? And all things they are studying, and and they are finding the truth about Jesus. And uh, mm. yes, and uh, Jesus is living, living God. Still, He's working. Thousands of people yes. are demonized. We go and we pray in the name of Jesus. We look same people. We do not look a different. We do not look like a priest. Simple people. We pray for people in the name of Jesus. People are are releasing from those bondages. That's why they are coming to Christ. You know, it's mm. very simple. Like we are teaching them that man, God, you know, he wants to save your life. You know, through his grace, we can be saved. Through his, mm-hmm. you know, blessing, we can be saved like that. So all mm. these things we are teaching and, and the love of Jesus is totally different love than others' God's love. 
And that's why these days people are knowing about the, the real truth. And that's why thousands and millions of people are coming to Christ. I just want to let you know that most of the Hindus, you know, just they are known as Hindus, but legally they are Hindus, but many, many Hindus, percentage-wise, they gave their life to Jesus. Uh, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, no. Hey, Jesus said, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And this is what we're doing. We're partnering <laughs> together. Yeah. It's so beautiful. And just thousands of church planters are going into these thousands of unreached villages. We're going to get into that story later. The truth is going out, and what a joy. And what a what a helpful segment this has been, Pastor M, to just get our minds around. We just scratch the surface of Hinduism. It's very complex, like you're saying, chaotic, confusion, chaos, confusion. But uh, but I, I think this has helped us out. I really do. How can we be praying for, you know, like you're saying, <laughs> we put labels on people, but they're just people, you know? And how can we be praying for the people of India, Pastor M, once more as we close this out? I want to request all of you to, to pray so that Jesus will send the fire, means his fire, so that thousands and millions of life will be changed. Uh, you know, their life, uh, you know, just can just think about Jesus. Uh, this is what I want to ask. Uh, please be praying so that these Hindus, they should not believe in tradition. They should know the truth. They should know about uh, Jesus. So, yeah, this is my my prayer uh, request to all of you. Well, we're going to join in that very prayer. And thank you, Pastor M, for this really special time. This has been a blessing. Thank you so much, and just have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Pastor M, for sharing with us this very personal story of your experience with Hinduism, what it was like growing up in a Hindu family and community. For generations, this is all you knew. This is all your family knew, worshiping all these goddesses, turning to priests and witch doctors, and then all the fighting and the anger and the confusion and the chaos and the demonic oppression and possession and hopelessness that you describe so vividly. I don't think I'll ever forget how you started off by saying that to you, Hinduism is a religion of chaos and confusion. I keep coming back to John chapter 10, verse 10, where Jesus so powerfully describes the contrast that Jesus, Christianity brings to people. Jesus said the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Wow, do we ever see how religion does that? But then Jesus said, I have come, Christianity, a relationship that they may have life and have it to the full. Wow, aren't you glad that you know Jesus as your Savior and Lord? What an amazing, rich, <laughs> incredible life that Jesus has given us. Hallelujah, huh? Here's your action step of the day. Pray for over one billion people caught up and trapped in Hinduism. As Pastor M pleaded with us, let's pray that millions will be saved and no longer worship tradition. 
the way they have for years and years because this is all they know. They've never heard about Jesus. Let's pray that God will use the church planting pastors we're supporting, you're supporting, to go into these thousands of unreached villages to bring the good news of Jesus so millions can hear about Jesus and be saved. You know, I think of what Paul said in Romans chapter 10, verses 13 to 15, where he said, everyone, isn't that great? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are what? Sent. Thank you, 360Serve family, for praying for and sending indigenous church planners to bring the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ to the least reached in the world. And it's happening by the thousands. Praise the Lord. I trust this episode has encouraged your life. Please share it with a friend. Thank you for listening. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to our next episode as Pastor M will take us on a journey to understand, watch this, the caste system of India. What is the caste system? I'm sure you've heard about it. How many castes are there? What is it like to grow up in the lowest caste in India as a delete, as a slum dog? Pastor M's gonna talk about that some more. Is the caste system practiced today? If so, to what degree? And how does it impact people's lives? Trust me, you don't wanna miss this next episode. Until then, may the Lord bless you.